Hi, I'm Damon Frank, and you're listening to The Recovered Life Show. Every week, we bring you a Recovered Life discussion all about how to get unstuck in areas of your sobriety that are keeping you from living your best recovered life. Remember, addiction is a life-threatening condition, and the information in this discussion is provided as a resource only and is not to be used or relied upon for any diagnostic or treatment purposes. This is not a substitute when professional diagnosis or treatment is needed. Now, let's jump into the discussion. I'd like to welcome everybody to the Recovered Life Discussion. You're in Unstuck every week. Myself, Damon Frank, uh, guides everybody through uh, an area in their life that they might feel stuck with. If you've ever felt stuck or you're stuck right now in an area of your sobriety, this is going to be a great discussion, guys. So welcome. Uh, just a couple ground rules here. We do record these. So uh, how, what we do, the little what we do with that is um, because this will be replayed. We do ask that you just refer to yourself. We'll refer to you in your first name, and you refer to others with their first name. Uh, and we also ask that you just be loving and kind. And polite. That's it. Really, really, really small ground rules. Uh, and we can't wait to have this discussion. Uh, so, Anne, uh, I'm joined by Anne, my co mod, uh, who has long term sobriety. And uh, we always have good conversations, Anne, uh, within the Unstuck Room, because I think this is a special discussion because we really kind of get to the nitty gritty of what people don't really want to talk about sometimes in 12 step groups or therapy. We kind of dive in to right into the heart of issues that have a lot of conflict. How are you doing today, Anne? What's going on with you? Uh, share with us a little bit. The, the topic we, I, I picked today was problem with parents. And uh, look, guys, if you've if you've been sober a minute or you've been sober a decade, uh, you know that people in recovery sometimes have problems with parents. This is no uh, mystery. Uh, and you know, I guess the question is why do people have problems with parents in recovery? Well, I think a lot of it is that, you know, we might come from areas uh, or families that have suffered from addiction. And that is really, really tough. So when we get sober, sometimes there are resentments there, there are problems there, Maybe we can't go back to the family. Maybe things start to become aware for you about what actually is going on with you, what you're actually feeling now that you're sober. So we're going to dive in. Mother's Day is coming up here. And I know a lot of people in the Recovered Life community have shared that they've got problems with parents, that they have unresolved issues. So we're going to talk about how to get unstuck if that is your issue or you're married to somebody that that's their issue, or you are experiencing discomfort when it comes to parental relationships. So I want to go to Anne real quick. And how are you doing? And um, do you want to share a little bit? I know you are both, you, you were a daughter and you also, you know, have a daughter. Would you like to share about this just to kind of open up the room a little bit about your thoughts? with uh, parenting and problems with parents and, you know, the whole, the whole idea of once you get sober, looking back on your childhood and also how you parent in recovery. Well, well, good morning, everyone. Good morning, Damon. <laughs> parents, everybody has one or two. Um, well, we all had one. To, we all had two to start with, right? But no, it's um, parenting. The way we were parented has a lot to do with our principles, with our belief systems. And the way we parent has a lot to do with how our children see themselves, value themselves. I know for me, I grew up in a family where there weren't a whole lot of uh, discussions happening. And um, so for the most part, I had to kind of discern myself 
what I thought of the world. And, um, you know, and children's perceptions are usually kind of skewed. You know, we make molehills out of, uh, you know, I mean, mountains out of molehills kind of thing. So I, I had, a, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> I had a lot of learning to do about myself as I grew up. And uh, I am still learning how to be a, a great parent. My daughter is 24 now, and I've done a lot of things right because of what I learned. And I missed out on a bunch of things I totally missed because I did not know what to look for. And here's what the, the decision I've come to is that um, we're never going to get it right we, because uh uh, I'm speaking for me, I'm raising a human being who really is her own person. And my job is to not to mess her up too badly, as somebody put it, right? And so it's uh, my primary purpose was to basically see her for who she is and support her in becoming who she's supposed to be. Okay, that sounds really, really good. But I mean, uh, uh, it's hard when we're emotionally involved and, you know, that's my daughter and I want to do the best for her and all these things that come up. I'm just throwing this on the table because we're going to have deeper discussions about this. But I will tell you that uh, it's been it's been a learning process. It's still a learning process. Communication is as with any human being and especially with our children, and our parents, because we feel they're just we're so connected we feel so much and our emotions sometimes get us even more confused. So there's a lot to discuss here. What a topic you have chosen, Damon. Uh, I'm excited to kind of, uh, uh, I guess, dive into them, you know, different aspects mm -hmm. of it, the communication, the empowerment aspect of it. And, and how do we get messed up, you know, in, in some of the, some of the ideas that we took from our parents that whether they actually meant it or not to say some of those things, it's just, it's a, it's a harness nest, isn't it? So anyways, I'm going to have you. It really is. You know, thanks for bringing out some of those issues. And I think, one of the things that I think we, you know, we have to discuss when we're talking about recovery and we're talking about parents, I think that, you know, we can put them in different groups, parents in different groups. There are the obvious uh, parents that are alcoholic, right? So coming from an alcoholic home, there are certain patterns that are set up, right? There are certain patterns to set up. And then now we're talking about ACOA, we're talking about coming from a home maybe that has codependency in there. If you have a one parent that is an alcoholic, uh, the chances are you're going to have another parent that is a codependent, right? So the, these typically happen. If you have both parents that are alcoholics, there's still probably some sort of codependency there. Now, if you're an alcoholic and you're sober now and you're in this listening to this discussion, uh, you might say, well, you know, my, my parents weren't codependents. And my parents weren't alcoholics, but was there a layer of dysfunction? Was it a dysfunctional family, right, about how they dealt with things? And this is what is happening with ACOA now, uh, where, you know, they've broadened that definition of, you know, dysfunctional families, right, dysfunctional families. So that's what we're diving into today. If you've just joined us here in the Recovered Life Discussions is problems with parents, do you have problems with parents? Are you someone who got sober and never thought you had a problem with your parent and then realized it's like, wow, you know what? There was a lot of dysfunction there. Are you a parent now and are suffering and are wondering how did you get to a place when all you really wanted to do was to not be that person, right? Like, but yet here you are, right? And this is the great thing about recovery is that we uncover, when we start to uncover these stones, we start to lift them up and see what's under them. And the more and more and more we lift them up, the more things that we're able to find. You know, I do wanna talk about having a parent as an alcoholic. And what I've seen in working with other alcoholics on their journey to get sober about what actually happens uh, to children of alcoholics, right? 
Now, I will tell you, I had a uh, a parent who was an alcoholic, and uh, and other people in my family that were alcoholic. And I will tell you that uh, the one thing that I did not want to become in my life, and I, you know, I was very kind of unclear. I think as a teen and as a minor, but I, I pretty much knew this very straight out. The one thing that I did not want to do in my life was to be a drinker and to be an alcoholic. Now, people say, well, that's, you know, that's strange, Damon, because you're you're hosting a room called Unstuck in Recovered Life, right? How, how is that possible if that's what you really knew? I was confused about a lot of stuff. Didn't really know what I want to do with my life. I didn't know what kind of educational path that I wanted. I didn't know what kind of relationships I really necessarily wanted. But I did know I did not want to be an alcoholic. But yet, here I am with almost uh, you know 29 years sober. So how did that happen, right? That is the mystery of alcoholism. Now, I will tell you, I think if you come from a parent who had an alcohol problem, an addiction problem, is an alcoholic, there's certain patterns that are instilled at you from a very, very young age, right? And whether or not you're aware of these, those patterns are still running out in your life. And this is the this is the thing about getting unstuck, which is what this discussion always is about. Like for me, it's not enough to identify it's like, oh, I have this issue. Um, I don't want to live, I don't want to be hang around the crime scene all day long. If I've identified that there's a murder and the detectives are there doing a chalk scene and the crowd has formed, I don't want to be there five days later right after everybody's left but that's what happens with alcoholics we get stuck because we don't understand how in the hell did we get here because if you if you have alcoholism in your family you've seen what it does and it's funny i remember very clear saying hey you know what i don't want to be that i don't want to be that but if i had to add up how many people that i know that are in recovery who said that they did not want to be alcoholics and they did not want to be problem drinkers. When they had parents that were problem drinkers, I could fill a stadium with those people, right? So why is that? So I want to I want to dive into that a little bit. The second camp that we could talk about is patterns. Now you might be in recovery. You might have a year, a two. You might have a decade. You might have several decades. But you're starting to realize either how you raise your kids or how you are with other people those alcoholic patterns, right? You might have a problem. You might not have been parented the way that you wanted to be parented. And now as a parent, you're realizing like, oh man, like this wasn't, th th this, this is, I wasn't parented correctly, right? A lot of people have that and they want to repair that, right? But that is tough sometimes because what happens is, is you get in, if you're sober, if you already have kids, and you and you uh, are now like trying to repair certain things you've done, or you have certain thought patterns or beliefs or things that you think about yourself or other people, and they are somehow subconsciously instilled in our children, right? So that's another area. Problems with parenting or problems with you know repeating those patterns over and over and over again. And then the last thing I want to bring up, Anne, before we start bringing people up, because I really. Recovered Life Discussions is really about what you have to say, right? But I want to throw a couple topics out. The third is, uh, the, the third topic is not getting what you needed with parents, right? And with Mother's Day coming up, you know, I didn't have this situation with my mother, so it's not an issue for me, but I know other people have had, have shared that they have issues regarding a, a, a mother parent uh, with realizing in sobriety that they did not get what they needed. They did not get what they needed. How do you repair that in recovery, right? So I want to dive into that a little bit too, because I think that's an important thing. You know, I'm just going to share here before we, I turn it over to you, Ann, and we start bringing some people up. I found that, you know, for, for me, having an alcoholic parent who is a father that I, uh, that I did not have the relationship that I needed, right? And so, uh, you know, I'm a father now, so I had the opportunity to be able to recreate that, 
right, in a positive, healthy kind of way. But not only in that, uh, you know, working through 12-step programs and mentoring and things like that, I was able to become the person that I did not have through nieces and nephews and uh, nieces, right? Like all that kind of stuff, right? So there is always an opportunity to be that role in recovery. You know, if you didn't have the opportunity to uh, be parented correctly, you can parent correctly now. This is what I call healing, right? And I'm saying this not in a codependent way. Like I'm not, you know, you don't want to seek out people in some weird codependent relationship, but in a healthy way, be the person. You know, I got sober in my uh, my mid-20s, and I will tell you, I, I will absolutely tell you that I needed intervention there from a father-type figure. I didn't really have that, right? Uh, to, to a certain degree, I did. I had other family members who ended up filling that role, but I was missing that leadership as a as a man. But through recovery, what's happened is I've been able to be that person to other people, right? And this is the great thing. I found that sticking into the problem, it's like, oh, man, you know, and I was this person for the first couple of years of recovery of like, oh, man, I didn't get what I needed here. Um, it's never going to be fixed. That circle down the drain thing, you just keep circling the drain over and over. And what I found is taking positive action. Okay, you know what? I'm never going to, I I didn't have that. That's true. I didn't, right? So just to be able to acknowledge it and to be truthful about it, but to say like, but where can that play out in my life, right? And this is the beautiful thing about recovery. So, and I hope I set the room up. We're still only, you know, 17, 18 minutes in here. I'd love your thoughts before we start bringing people in. So I kind of went over three kind of camps of things that I've seen that people have problems with their parents, the parent issues kind of play out. I'd love to invite some people. We've got a lot of people here that have great sobriety in the room. So I would love to bring you guys up. So definitely I'll send out some invites. Definitely raise your hand. I'm going to turn it over to you, Anne, to see what you think about kind of what I said. And, you know, how does that relate in your life? Wow. Uh, you said so much, Damon, and I could relate to so much that you did share. It's, well, I could talk about it for a while, but I want to kind of um, add my perspective, kind of answer the questions that you brought up. As you were asking, becoming an alcoholic, right? It's nobody, nobody intentionally says that's what I want to do for me and um you know i'm blessed to to have been experiencing sobriety for over 32 years now and i will tell you that it was never intentional and nobody thinks about it i i i didn't even know it was a thing so for me it was escaping from pain now how did i decide that's what i'm going to do well the home i grew up in uh, there was always drinking and parties. There were always people coming and going. And my, my dad, you know, was very much a social drinker. That's, you know, uh, over the top. And so to me, alcohol, it was there when you feel good. And then if we would have a tummy ache, my mom would give us a shot of vodka. It would warm up the tummy and you feel better. So come on, you know, if you are, if you're celebrating, you drink. If you're in pain, you drink. And so a few things happen. Like all of us, we experience things and things we see in families. Now, you did bring up something, you know, dysfunctional families. We all have dysfunctional families to whatever degree it may be. And our perception makes it dysfunctional. I have two sisters. We grew up in the same family, raised by the same two parents, and all three of us are very different. My sisters don't have an issue with it. One of them has a lot of emotional challenges, and the other one is very stable and balanced and happy. So how did this happen? Well, it's all perception. Depending on what's going on in our parents' lives, we take on identities. I'm the oldest. I had to exceed. I had to excel. I had to do everything. And on the things that I couldn't, somehow it, I took it in a, oh, I'm not enough. 
because nobody knew how to sit across me and say, Annie, you're wonderful. Who you are is important. To me, it was like, oh, I'm only acknowledged when I accomplish things. And so the spiral began. So the bottom line is that sometimes our parents don't know how to talk with us and say, this is what I see. You're amazing. You're powerful. They don't know. They're dysfunctional. They have their own problems, especially if they're alcoholics themselves. They have no clue. Nobody escapes into alcohol or drugs because they're feeling good about themselves. They're escaping from pain. So they don't know how to be. So how would you know how to be happy, healthy, and stable, right? So that that's the first thing, escaping from pain. Well, the patterns, oh my God, would, I'm not even going to go into the patterns because we see it over and over again. We adopt patterns that are around us. And if we don't have somebody to go to, um, to say, here's what I'm thinking, and they they guide us as children, we just get stuck with those patterns. You know, patterns and when we grow up, we follow those patterns. A lot of times we don't even know what they are, right? And so... Um, not getting what we needed my gosh we definitely we don't we don't get what we need most of the time if we're in a dysfunctional home so how in the world are we supposed to be living happily and it it, it takes a different way of looking at life it, it it takes something for ourselves to decide this is what i want and uh, how do i go about getting it well if you don't know how to process things how are you going to figure out to go get it. And for me, when I learned how to do it is when I came into the program, when somebody first uh, handed me the uh, the promises. Well, you'll be able to think this way. You'll be able to act that way. You'll be able to feel that way. It felt like a fairy tale to me. But then when it was pointed out that, you know, you can have all those when you, you know, if you do those, the 12 steps were pointed out, then I was like, Oh my God, now I, I, I have a how-to guide on how I'm supposed to behave, how I'm supposed to think, how I'm supposed to take care of myself. And he has worked for me beautifully. And um, now, so going to parenting. Well, you know, something happened with me and, and my daughter that really set everything for me, where it just kind of put it all together. She, uh, you know, I missed some things that happened to her. She was a teenager and I was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. And she just used that as a, as a way to like, you know, keep me hitting me over the head. The more I apologized, the, the more it seemed like she wanted to use that. And at some point, you know, I was like, honey, stop, you know, did you always know you are loved? She said, yes. I said, did you always your entire life know you are loved? She said, yes. I said, well, then I did my job. And so when I said that, all of a sudden, you know, looking at my parents, no matter what it was, I did always know I was loved. Somehow they never said, I love you but somehow they got the message across. So once I started seeing that all of a sudden, I saw everything from a whole different perspective. My parents were not perfect by any means. That's, you know, that's why I wanted to escape. And I will never be perfect, but I'm giving myself a break as a parent. And I understand that my daughter is going to be who she is. And, uh, you know, the the things that she has learned from me, the good, and, you know, that will serve her and the things that I did maybe that caused her some pain or situations where I did not do it the way I'm supposed to, she learned how to do it and she's going to be a better parent than me, hopefully, when she has her children. So anyways, that that's that's where I am. And, and the question, you know, if uh, anybody who's listening, um, if you're mad at your parents, just ask yourself, did I always know I was loved one way or another? And then continue to be mad. I, I promise you it will subside. And the same thing with the children. So with that, I'm going to hand the mic back over to you, Dave. Great. Thank you so much, Ann. That was really great. Uh, guys, just to reset the room here before I go to Daniel, uh, you're in the unstuck room. Uh, we're talking problems with parents. We're talking about recovery, sobriety how to get unstuck with certain issues. Uh, we kind of peel back the onion on certain issues here in the unstuck room. Uh, and the topic is problems with parents. Daniel, 
Welcome to uh, Recovered Life Discussions. How you doing? I'm doing great. Super interesting topic. Uh, let me see. How can I start this? I come from an interesting perspective, right? Uh, me and my wife were both children of addicts, both on the father's side of it. But uh, we both had completely different upbringings, right? Mine parents were immigrants, so we were like taught to be self-sufficient almost from like toddlers, like cooking, cleaning, being self-reliant because my parents were immigrants, so they always had to work. They weren't around to do the, the leave it to beaver stuff. So like I grew up like that, right? And I had this conversation with my dad while we were both drinking, of course. And I'm like, it's your fault. Like, it's your fault I'm like this. This is because I was brought up this way. And my dad just looked at me straight in the face and said, if this is the attitude you want to have, we're going to make it. And that dude shattered the paradigm I was living in and was like, well, this is this is the, the hand I was dealt and I have to figure it out. Right. And now from my wife's perspective, she was uh, her, her parents weren't like that and they had the more uh work we have the external perfect picture but in the house is chaos and like their family doesn't function right if they're not always in communication and like 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 they're they're their own support system right so when it comes to me and her as parents it's the two extremes like i'm super self-aware and try to instill that into our daughter and our new child that we're going to have in nine months and she's super socially aware so but we live in the extremes we don't live in a comfortable middle so we're trying to find a silver lining for that but uh, i mean we we learn as we go my 13-year-old is, like, on the outward, fine, like, straight A and B student. She looks all right, but I could still see the, the inner resentments from when we were drinking, kind of lashing out. And now she's uh, pre-pubescent teen, which also adds extra levels of stuff. So I, I'm just happy that I have the self-awareness to see it and to share that with my wife, because if it's not completely perfect in her eyes, like she feels like a failure and then lashes out in a messed up way. So I don't know, it, it, it's a balance of my, of our two extremes to try to make a, a, a semi-functioning human being, right? So I don't know, that, that's where I am, but yeah, my father shattered my, uh, my pity party when he told me that these are the cards you were dealt with. How are you going to figure it out now? Because we can't reset life. That that's what it was. And I, yeah. So great, Daniel. Thank you so much uh, for sharing. You know, you brought up so many great things there. Are a couple I want to talk on uh, about and something that Ann said too. Now I'm going to be honest for my, my experience uh, working with the 12 step group, it didn't heal the situation with the alcoholic family member. Um, in some ways it left it incomplete. What it did do, I will tell you, is it allowed me to identify what was going on and it brought me to a place of neutrality somewhat where I could actually look at the situation without being emotionally charged or confused. Now that's a blessing in itself. I had to do other work around that. For me, I think acceptance is huge. And Daniel, you said a, you said a bunch of things about, you know, about your daughter that I think is just so beautiful. The fact that you're just aware of it and you got, you're talking about it and you and your wife are focused on trying to make things better always. That in itself, I think, is huge. I think if you're a child of an alcoholic or you are an alcoholic yourself, a lot of times you just want that person, that loved one, to be able to make an attempt, right? 
And what happens, you realize in life is as you get sober, if you have family, uh, family and friends that are, are alcoholics, not everybody makes that decision. So, you know, acceptance is a huge part of it. And I really relate to the whole idea of perfection. I think, um, I think, you know, having regrets when you're in recovery and this idea that I have to get everything perfect all the time is, uh, you know, I have, I have, I have dealt with that. What I've learned just, I think with a little bit of aging, just a lot life experience staying sober is many times there is no perfect. There's just the best decision at the time that you could make. Right. And being able to just make those decisions and just be honest to say like, Hey, I made the best decision with what I had at the time. If the, if the facts of the ground change and I can make another decision, I'll do that. But I have to just be able to move on knowing that I did the best I could with what I had. And any comments before we go to Meredith? Okay, I'm going to go, uh, I've lost Anne there. Meredith, welcome to Recovered Life Discussions. We're talking about problems with parents. Love to hear what you have to say. Hello, Damon. Hey, everybody. Um, this is a great topic. Um, I've spent a lot of time in my recovery on this topic. Um, I'm an adult child of an alcoholic. Um, and grew up in dysfunctional home. My father was um, an alcoholic and my mother never labeled herself as an alcoholic, but I know that she used drugs and alcohol to cope. Um, I think that um, her biggest issue was of codependency. And um, I, I did not go down the alcoholic route, although I really wanted to. Um, I didn't have anything to numb my pain. Um, it just seemed like I was in pain all the time and I tried to like alcohol and I just didn't. My body rejected it and said, nope, uh, this isn't for you. Um, but what I did do, um, you know, I let my patterns of growing up in a dysfunctional home be my picker. They were, my patterns made my choices for me. It picked my career. It picked my friends. It picked where I lived. It picked uh, uh, who I pleased. Um, it picked my relationships, who I married. Um, and after doing some recovery work, I've done a lot of recovery work in this area. And um, on my path and on my journey, um, you know, just growing up and just being so angry and mad and resentful and bitter um, from the childhood that I did not get, I spent, you know, you talked about returning to the crime scene. Well, I think I lived in the crime scene. Um, because I didn't know how to get out of it. I didn't know anything else. Um, and it wasn't until I found the recovery rooms um, that I got some reprieve from that, but I had to go backwards. So I did have to go back to the crime scene, but then I learned what the crime scene was. And then I learned how I learned tools and I learned ways to be able to reparent myself. Um, I did not get what I needed from my parents growing up, neither one. Um, and uh, it's like I spent a lot of my adult years resenting that because I wasn't given life skills. You know, I think Daniel touched on, you know, being very self-reliant and self-sufficient because your parents were absent and never there. That was me. You know, I was, you know, cleaning house and doing my own laundry at age eight. You know, I felt grown at age 10. Um, so it was all about producing and uh, being self-sufficient and being self-reliant. Um, and, you know, in some areas of life, you know, that served me very well. It served me very well in my career, um, but it also turned me into a, a perfectionist and a workaholic. So it's living in that extreme. Um, you know, there's nothing wrong with being self-sufficient and self-reliant, but if it starts creating problems within your life, you're too hard on yourself, never feeling good enough, yourself, you know, you're beating yourself up, you know, that's when it really becomes a problem. Um, and that was me, you know, I never, it, and I can remember myself saying, it doesn't matter what I do or how I do it, it's never good enough. And I used to say that all the time before recovery. And um, I've learned through reparenting of myself by going back and then being able to take a, a blameless inventory is what they call it um, in adult children of alcoholics. 
we take a blameless inventory and it is an inventory of ourselves and our choices and inventory of our parents. So we don't sugarcoat what happened to us in our homes or in our dysfunction. Um, so we're honest about that, but at the same time, we don't point the finger. Um, and then we learn to be able to see what our part and our role is in the way we live life today and the things that we can do. You know, we can recognize our patterns. You know, we can work a recovery program. We can talk to a recovery coach. We can have a support group and a support system. And there's many things I know now that we can do differently. We do not have to stay stuck in our patterns. We don't have to let our patterns pick our decisions in life. Um, and I know um, Anne asked the question, um, did I always know I was loved growing up from my parents? And the answer was no, I didn't. Um, their action, their words and actions did not align most of the time. And um, I always, I never really felt, from my mother I did feel love sometimes, but it was very conditional. It was based on what I produced and what I could do. Um, so feeling that way and growing up, not always feeling loved, it was very confusing. Um, but as an adult and now as a healing recovering adult, um, I can say that my love has to come from within. So I had to go back and reparent myself and reparent my, I had to identify my inner children. I had to heal them and I had to love and accept them for who they are. And, um, that has been a huge uh, turning point in my recovery because there's parts of myself that I really just didn't like. Um, but on this journey, it has been, um, it's been very difficult, but at the same time, it's been extremely worth um, being able to go back and identify those things. Um, I'm not a parent, like I don't have any human children. I have fur kids, um, but for me, I, I am a child of God. So I am his child um, and he gives me the tools that I need to parent myself. And that's where I keep my focus on. And I know today I am enough. I always have been, and I always will be. So thank you so much, Damon, for this topic. I'm going to land it there and I'll turn the mic back over to you. Thank you so much, Meredith. You always have great insight on all the topics that we choose to discuss. So many great things there. So many great things. This, this idea of reparenting, I'd like to dive into that a little bit too. Uh, you know, Meredith, if you if if you could comment here real quick on this, um, how did you? Because obviously, at one point you had the discovery, hey, I'm going to have to reparent myself. What did that look like? What were the steps that you took to start reparenting yourself? That's a great question. Um, the first thing I didn't know I was an adult, so like on the outside, I'm an adult. Um, so in my mind, I'm an adult, but on the inside, I'm mush. So I'm this scared little abandoned child. And the first thing that I had to do was acknowledge that there was a problem. There was a void that was there. I had to acknowledge that void. And once I was able to acknowledge that there was a void, then I had to ask for help. And it was through a fractured relationship um, is what got me there because I knew something was wrong. Um, the other thing that I noticed was throughout my entire life, I am the, I am the one and only constant in my own life. And if I look at the broken relationships or disappointments and things, you know, I was there for every one of those things. So I'm the common denominator in my own life. And when I started to be able to look at, okay, you know, I am the one that is here and it's, you know, it's, um, that's when I could really be able to look at the fact that it's not that everything was my fault, but there was things and I played a role in my own life. And there came a time when I had to stop blaming myself and blaming my upbringing. And yeah, I think Daniel mentioned that, that pity party um, that, you know, a lot of us come to, you know, we were victimized as children. It's okay to say that we were victims as children, but I lived my life being a victim. So how did I come to realize all of that? Honestly, and if I could sum it up in one word, it was pain. It was that void. Um, and I knew that something wasn't right. And I did not know what to do. Um, it was through that fractured relationship uh, with an addict that broke me and took me to my bottom of my codependent bottom. And that is when I went to my first meeting. And from that point on, I found a support group. I found information. I found a good therapist. Um, I found ACA 
Um, it's like one thing lead me to a next and then something else leads you to another. Um, as far as reparenting goes, um, I got into a ACA step group, step study with Christina Dennis, who is amazing. She is um, one of, uh, she's just a dear, dear friend to me now and a mentor. Um, and she's really cracked open that other piece um, because ACA work is very deep rooted. Um, and there was a time when I just didn't know. And there's a lot of people that walk around in this world that really just do not know how shattered they are on the inside. They feel it, but they don't know why. They don't know what it is. So awareness and being able to be, you know, brutally honest from within um, is for me, it was my first step. After that, and once I could admit that and shine some light on that. You know, addiction hates exposure. So when you shine light on that shame and you shine the, the light on the inside, um, it becomes um, a little more bearable and it allows you to be able to see things from a different lens. So I hope that was helpful. I hope that answered your question. It did. Thank you so much. Thank you. I think it's important to not only discuss the topic, right, about how we get stuck, and to identify where we're stuck. But I think it's also important to give practical solutions about how people actually can get out of being stuck. You know, one of the things that I did is I had gone to the self-help thing after I had been sober for a, a, a period of years. It was like a coaching thing. And, uh, you know, in there, I kind of further identified what was going on with me. Right. I'd already kind of identified it through a 12 step program. I'd worked on trying to heal it. There was some healing there. But I think one of the things is that you, you know, discussed, Meredith, is this, this idea of acceptance. You know, I truly had to accept the fact that it didn't go the way that I wanted it to go and that it didn't go the way that I would have done it now and that it wasn't perfect and that it might not be the way that I think it should go. And that I had to let go of expectations that I had, because what I found is that the expectations and resentment was tethering me to more dysfunction. It was allowing me not to be able to grow and achieve things in my life that I wanted to do. And I remember the day that I had that really paradigm shift where I said, you know what? It's time to not close the book on this but it's time to move on from this. It's time to actually identify the fact, to accept the fact that, you know what? I can't change other people. They're gonna make a decision about what they wanna do. That decision doesn't define who I am and I can make my own decisions about me. This was a great time and I hope everybody has that, you know, that's listening here because it was great. It was really, really great. It was freeing. And I remember walking out of this situation and saying, you know what? I am free. And the, we, the ability for me to communicate differently to those people changed drastically as well. I could be honest with the fact that I didn't feel like I got what I needed. And I could also be accepting in the fact and forgiving in the fact to understand that, you know what? It's okay. I've identified this, people are gonna do what they're gonna do, and I'm gonna do what I'm gonna do, and I'm gonna style move forward and make new decisions in my life. So guys, welcome to the Unstuck Room, and if you wanna jump in at any time here and comment, we'd love to have you do so. Uh, if you can unmike, I think you might be stuck there. No, oh, I'm there here. you are, okay. I, I'm, I'm here, yeah, oh God, good, good stuff. And, um, uh, you know, we all have moments when, when, we, when we see a shift and uh, with me, like I was sharing earlier when I asked, you know, as I was telling my daughter where you always loved and that moment when I realized, yeah, my parents were so imperfect and they had no communication skills whatsoever. We never heard the word, I love you, but I, I, I found it in their actions. And, you know, Meredith was, you know, she was sharing how, you know, they, her, her, uh, I guess, reception of love. And, and, you know, it got me thinking about, uh, 
the way we see love, we all it, it 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 means something different, different gestures, different things. And so, when started when I started looking into reparenting, you know that or you call I didn't I didn't know I was looking at it as reparenting at the time, but that whole journey of okay, what don't I know? What would I need to learn? And as I'm looking at what do parents really teach us, how to function you know, how to think, how to um, solve situations in our lives when things come up, how do we act? And my my reparenting started when I actually learned how to identify when I'm, you know, like you said, powerless over people. They're not, people are gonna do what they're gonna do. And everybody is, is looking to take care of themselves the best they can. And it doesn't mean I'm always right. I'm, you know, um, relying on God to actually guide my thoughts and actions and, you know, and putting things in his hands that I have no clue how to handle. But also taking a look at who I am and how am I showing up when different situations come up? Am I showing up in a healthy way? Am I showing up in a not healthy way? And the program actually gave me those guidelines. But one of the things that I did, you know, in my, my own process of reparenting, I did talk with people, but I used to go on a lot of retreats. Every three months, I would go on a different retreat, and they were all on different topics. Some of them spirituality, some, you know, it was just self-help. And um, during those weekends, when I would just do a deep dive, whatever topic that was, uh, for me, for me, doing it that way eliminated all the distractions outside of it. And I would focus on whatever I was walking through because I can I can decide to turn around whenever I'm facing something that's painful or difficult or whatever. I can decide, oh, I don't want to look at it now. So I figured if I'm in a three-day weekend on a particular topic that's giving me challenges and i'm surrounded by people who are walking through it together we can talk it out we can support and that concentrated effort concentrated intention and attention got me through those breakthroughs so that's how i've been reparenting myself you know and giving my my parents a break like they did the best that they could i know they did and uh, their their best sometimes didn't work very well and so that's kind of that's kind of how i've been doing it it's a process and there's always something that comes up and i'm like okay what am i going to do about it and uh for me for me, um, I have found there's never a situation in my life that comes up that one of the steps doesn't have the answer to. And if I don't know how to fully work it, then you know I go to somebody. So do I need to? Do I need to pray? Do I need to take a look at myself? Do I need to go apologize to somebody? What do I need to do to get past this? And you know, always asking for help, being humble enough to ask for help. And uh, that's that's what works for me. That's how I keep growing. And I guess that's my reparenting system. And uh, I I found it. I found it again. Knowing how to work the steps is what's given me the you know the guidelines. The guidelines. On- love that. I love that. You know, you mentioned something, and I had a conversation about this on the Recovered Life Show, one of the last episodes, and where you said something that said a lot in twelve step groups. It's like you know, maybe they were doing the best that they could, right? And I agree with that. I think, you know, looking back in my life, I look, I said, oh man, why did I make that decision? But really at the time I was doing the best I could with the information that I had. I think where it becomes difficult with alcoholic parents, right? If you have a parent that is an alcoholic, what becomes difficult about this is that you realize somewhere and I did in 12 step groups of saying this over and over and over again, I felt I was a little brainwashed in this. The reality and the truth of the situation is sometimes they're not doing the best they can with what they have. Sometimes they know that it's not the right thing. And sometimes the truth is, you know what? They didn't wanna do it. They could have stepped up, but they didn't step up. And this, was a breakthrough for me 
because I think it's a cop out a lot of times. I agree with the fact that people are doing the best they can with what they have. That's true, but not always, right? Some people are very aware of what they're doing. And if it's a family member, I think that this is even tougher, right? And sometimes, and what, you know, it was interesting. I remember when I had the shift and I remember telling a guy that I was working with in a 12-step program, I said, you know what? To be honest with you, this doesn't ring true for me. And I remember him saying, you know, listen, um, sometimes it's not true. Sometimes people aren't doing the best with what they have. Many times they are. Many times they are. And, you know, it's funny. I think one of the things that we have to do if we're in recovery, whether we're in recovery through codependency, uh, you know, alcohol, drugs, gambling, anything, I think what we have to do is we have to have more patience with people and we have to look back and say, you know what? Um, I've made bad decisions. I know I made bad decisions when I was actively drinking, right? I made bad decisions. So I understand what it's like when people make bad decisions. But at the same time, I don't think we want to brush everything under the rug and say, well, they're just doing the best they could with what they had. Sometimes that's not true. Sometimes people know what they're doing. Sometimes people don't care. That's, that's the, that, that was my big epiphany, is sometimes that they know what they're doing is not good and they just don't care. And that I have to be okay with that, right? I have to be like, I have to have acceptance to that. I don't have to be okay with it, but I have to have acceptance. I'm um, really, guys, you are, Damon, I'm sorry, oh, I just ahead, wanted Ann. to pop in here real quick. I really do agree with that. Um, you know, there's people, there's been people in my life where I can look at them and um, if they've wronged me or um, something, I can look at them. Like my mother, for instance, I really do believe in my heart that she did the best she could with the tools that she had at the time. But I can look at my dad and I can say, you know, I can't give him that same credit. You know, I can look at relationships and say, you know, this was a conscious choice. This was intentional. And um, I know you didn't do the best you could. And like you said, it's okay. It's just a matter of accepting it. And part of that for me, part of that accepting that, because that really sticks in, or it used to stick in my crawl really bad. But part of those things that parents, I believe parents are supposed to teach you is how to identify your emotions and be able to give you some form of tools or understanding of how to manage those emotions. And if you grew up in a dysfunctional home, most people that grow up in that type of home, they don't know what their emotions are, or if they are lucky enough to be able to know what they are, they don't know how to manage them. And for me, a lot of being able to get to acceptance is being able to manage my emotions about how I feel about what they've done. And so I can't, there's a lot of times I can't get to acceptance without being able to identify the emotions that I'm feeling at the same time. So that was a really good point that you brought up. So thank you so much for bringing that up. Meredith, I'm so glad that you brought that up too, because, you know, not only that, um, a lot of the times when the person starts to become aware, the recovered person starts to become aware of what's actually going on, that they're not doing the best they can with what they have, that they're making poor choices, right? And that now that they're aware, they're going to continue to make poor choices. Um, there is a bit of resentment that comes in. I know, I think that's only human, right? That this resentment comes up to say, it's like, man, what, why are they not getting it? Why are they not getting it? And I think that sometimes we don't know why. Like sometimes people die of alcoholism. Other times people will have recovery forever. We do know clues. Like I'm a big believer in success leaves clues. If you keep working on yourself, I think you have a better chance, right? We know this, we see this. And part of this is just the recovered life discussions that we're having, guys. I mean, I think having these discussions is a key to an opening uh, to uh, a greater uh, awareness of ourselves and what Meredith said, the emotions that we're having. Being able to identify those and take right action around them. Um, any comments, Daniel? Would you like to, to chime in here? Uh, yeah, it's super interesting that uh, this is brought up. Right? Like, I grew up in a neighborhood, a lot of gang violence, right? So a lot of families of generations of gangbangers. So I had a lot of friends when I was a kid, and he was just like, 
I'm never going to get out. I'm either going to be dead or doing life in prison by the time I hit 21. And I, I try to help him not, not see that, but that that's what he believed. And he, mission accomplished because he's doing life in prison now. But it, it's not just the, uh, the addiction. It's the dysfunction in the household and what we think is normal with our environments, right? So like the neighborhood around you that you live in, and if all of these families are in dysfunction, it's normal until you uh, leave your neighborhood and see that it's not just like that. Because just like the internet, right? If you, if you feel that you were hurt or jaded and you go on the internet and you do your Google searches, you're gonna find a lot of people that are like you and then you have your weird hive mentalities that jump into conspiracy theories of whatever. And um, yeah, it, it, it's, uh, but you can't control that. Like me trying to pull him out of that type of lifestyle was just gonna make me crazy because he had already ex accepted what his life was gonna turn out because of his beliefs. And I had to learn to just like, it's either I, I help him climb his ranks in the life he wanted, just like if I had a friend that wanted to be a, a CEO, but started out as a, the, the, the mail guy distributing letters, like you're going to have to learn to figure out how to climb your ranks and be the top of your hierarchy of whatever you decide. But I, it, most of this depends on, a, it, it's also, it, it's nurture and then environment and then what you believe is normal needs to be tested so you can adjust with information, right? I'm done. So love that. I, and I do believe that recovery, Daniel, is a lot about testing what you believe, right? Most of it is letting go of old ideas about our perception, about who we think we are, who we think other people are, what we can do, what we can't do, what our beliefs are, how we frame them. Uh, it's, uh, you know, it's the process. So thank you so much for bringing that up, Daniel. Amber, how are you? Good to see you. Uh, we're talking about parenting. We're talking about problems with parents and recovery. Hey guys, good morning. <laughs> I'm waking up still. Um, yeah. So one thing that I've done or I've had, uh, or something that I've kind of worked with that's helped me kind of release, um, kind of resentment or anger towards um, some of my the things my parents have done is I've kind of been able to um, I kind of look at my parents and then I think about like their parents and then their grandparents and like what they were brought up in and like um, there's some things that um, my dad is the, the alcoholic and, um, you know, there's a lot of things that he should have known better and could have done better. Um, but I know his household and his upbringing was um, a lot worse than mine. And he was taught that's how you treat people or, or what is okay. Or even um, people acting out in their own hurt ways kind of still, you know, they're not growing up from their, their problems when they were a kid and having alcoholic parents. Um, and so I've kind of been able on some level to kind of let go of some of the anger or the resentment or judgment because, um, you know, I know that he's just a hurt little kid still inside him. Um, and I can still have like the tools to like do what I need to do to keep myself, you know, moving forward and working through things. But I don't know, it's helped me a lot, um, just because generational stuff is really real and a lot of times our families or um people you know that's how they they, they they're sick because people usually their parents or somebody else that was taking care of them was also sick so it's helped me a lot have a lot of peace with that and kind of um accept him where they're at and accept the situation and um and then be able to have that information and then be able to move forward um, with not with trying to just be aware and sensitive to 
not repeat those patterns. Yep, Amber, that was that was a beautiful top to put on this dysfunctional cake, if you will, right? Yeah, and that that's the one thing that's helped me a lot too. Being able to see my parents as a person as opposed to just my parents, the whole person. What have they gone through? What have their experience and what have they learned from their parents and uh, you know it, it just yeah that was just a beautiful share thank you for that damon are you here thank you so much amber that was great uh yeah sorry i had a little problem with the button there uh that was so great amber yeah and i think looking back through you know when you look back and you say wow look where look look where those people came from right like and where where they're at now if they made some sort of improvement i do think you know stomping out alcoholism and addiction is a generational fight i think you know just to end this here uh this room because this has been such a great discussion uh you know i think this is a generational thing i think you know the awareness of it and the open communication starts to stomp out this repeating itself. I know one of the things that I was told uh, almost three decades ago was somebody said, you know, you will never understand the power of just staying sober a day at a time. If you really don't accomplish anything, Damon, they said in your life, if you're just able to stay sober, you are going to see things around you. You're going to see that the change that you've been able to make. And I've been able to see that, you know, um, you know, it's interesting, like in my family, you know, I have nieces and nephews. They have never seen me drink because I have not drank since they've been alive. Right. Uh, it has been, it, it's been amazing to see that, you know, uh, people seeking out help within the family structure and friends, just by saying it's like, hey, you know what? Wow, this guy's been sober, right? So never underestimate just the power of you staying sober. And you know, I always say the kids are looking, right? The kids are looking. And I know like, first I wanna say, just because I'm, you know, have recovered life and do coaching and I'm up here, I, I am the least perfect than anyone. I'm going to tell you that I, I, I really am. I struggle with a lot of things just like everybody else. I'm human, just like everybody else. Right. And, but one of the things is, is that I understand that if I could just kind of chip away a little bit at a time, generationally, it's going to have a big thing because the next generation or the generation past that, or my kid's generation, they're going to say, it's like, wow, you know, if they ever end up in this issue, wow, you know, hey, we know somebody that stayed sober the whole time. When I first got into recovery, guys, I'm going to tell you, I didn't even know that sober was a thing. I didn't even think it existed. That's how far I came from. I didn't know anyone who was sober. I'd never heard of such a thing. And why would anybody want to do that anyway, right? So for me to go in three decades to where I'm at now, is a huge evolution. It might not seem a lot, like a lot, but it's massive. And the impact of the people around me, it's massive for them, even if I can't, even if I'm not aware of it. And I think that's the whole thing. So guys, I'd love any final thoughts that anybody might have before we close out the discussion. I am so grateful that everybody has joined us here today to discuss this stuff. Painful topics, not, you know, it's, it's, it's not as fun to discuss parenting issues or these deep issues in recovery, but really that's where the healing begins, right? So if anybody would like to unmic and have any final thoughts at all, would love to hear it. If not, we could just close down the discussion. Now, I have Damon, just, uh, just to add quickly to that, what you said, time. We don't realize how far we come until some time passes and we look back. And I love the way you described there are people in your family who never saw you drink. And they know if somebody has a problem, they can come to you 
and I've experienced the same thing too. So I just want to say, you guys, just watch and see what happens. Just just keep coming back. And I'm done. Um, I want to add, Damon, that um, that was a really good point. And it only takes one person within the family to shift that generational cycle of dysfunction. Only takes one. Uh, yeah, I'd like to add that. Uh, well, my final thought is, like, the perceptions that we have is only based off of the, the, the limited amount of people we have, right? The internet is cool if you use it the right way, but if you just surround yourself with the same like-minded people, you'll never grow and you'll just think that this is the norm. So we really have to question our beliefs, but be grounded in self so we don't get lost in it, right? I was talking to this young lady who was trying to prove that cheating was the ultimate good. And I'm like, only if you see things as a, a selfish child would, because you're only looking at silver linings, thinking that that is the norm because you were, you were brought up in a chaotic environment and the people that surround, you surround yourself with live by that same perspective. So we need to challenge our, uh, our beliefs to be able to actually grow as, as uh, better humans. I'm done with that. So beautiful. Thank you so much, Daniel, for that, Meredith, Amber, and this has been an amazing Recovered Life discussion. I do want to add, guys, if you're not part of the Recovered Life community, please click the link above or go to info.recoveredlife.us. You'll see a little blinking, little animated gift there that you can join. You just click on that. It takes less than a minute to join, and it's 100% free, and we have these conversations continue there. It's a community of like-minded people who want to live their best recovered life. Also, there's a link to be able to get a hold of me. If you feel that you are stuck in an area of your sobriety, I do give away uh, a couple of calls a week to people who just want to talk about how to get unstuck. All you have to do is go to info.recoveredlife.us, find my little picture, Damon Frank there, click on it, and you can make an appointment. And how do they get a hold of you? Um, I know people can follow you on Instagram and also you are also on Recovered Life, so they can connect with you there. Uh, yes, yes, they can, you know, just feel free to DM me and uh, yeah, that's kind of where it is. We just kind of hang out in this club and share. Thank you guys so much for all of your time today. Uh, I hope everybody has a great weekend, great Mother's Day, and I'm looking forward to seeing everybody next week uh, on Unstuck. Keep the conversation going. Join Recovered Life, a community of like-minded people who are looking to live their best recovered lives. Membership is free, and you can apply at recoveredlife.us.